Welcome to How to Read, Understand, and Make Use of the Scriptures. So in this uh, series of videos, we're going to talk about uh, principles of biblical interpretation. So when I went to the seminary, one of the first classes I, I had was uh, called PBI, Principles of Biblical Interpretation. And this helps us uh, get to the meaning of the text that uh, we're reading or we're studying. And uh, behind this is this idea that God has chosen to reveal himself to us through human language. And uh, so when we read the scriptures at the end of the text, we can say, this is the word of the Lord. But this word of the Lord comes to us through um, human words, through human language. So in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, uh, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So that verse is usually associated with the readings of scripture uh, in worship. You will hear the readings and then you'll, you'll say, well, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Uh, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, uh, though, uh, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we have uh, the declaration when we read the Scriptures. This is the word of the Lord. But this word of the Lord comes to us in human language. And so words, uh, those words have meaning. Uh, they are put together in sentences, and so there's grammar, how those words fit together and uh, syntax. Uh, those sentences are put together in paragraphs, so there's content. Uh, the books are written by authors, human authors, in a historical context and, and setting. So the word of the Lord, but coming to us in uh, human language and in uh, the history of uh, of the of the creation, so let's not over spiritualize it. Uh, yes, it is the word of the Lord, but we are not to to see it as this overly mystical book with layers of of, of different meanings. Uh, but uh, take heart that the triune God wants us to know Him. Uh, he wants us to uh, understand Him, hear. Uh, hear his words, to believe and to trust uh, in him. So the question, when we come to the text, uh, what does this scripture mean? Uh, what is the content of the words, the context? What is God saying? saying? What is God revealing? What is God communicating? And so we're going to call that uh, biblical interpretation. Now, in the medieval period, uh, Specifically during the time of Martin Luther as a monk, he would uh, have this understanding of biblical interpretation. He would say, when he would come to a text, that this text has four different layers of meaning. There's a, there's a literal sense to it, there's an allegorical sense to it, there's a moral sense to it, and then this, uh, this one called eschatological uh, meaning to it. That was just the mode of biblical interpretation during this medieval period. And uh, so it would start with going to a text 
and looking first of all, so what is the text literally saying? What is the plain, what is the obvious meaning of the text? And then from that, uh, the interpreter, uh, Luther himself, would go to these other layers. He would call them these spiritual, uh, the kind of the spiritual meanings to the text. And, uh, you know, what is this allegorical meaning then to the text? Uh, that would be like a, a meaning beyond the plain, literal words. Uh, what is the moral meaning? Uh, what does it mean for living life now? Uh, and then this one called the eschatological meaning, a meaning about uh, life eternal. So let me give you an example. Um, all right, so whenever, say, uh, the reader would come to the text and they would see this uh, this little phrase, the city of Jerusalem, they would take a, that, that little verse and they would say, well, there's these four meanings to it. The literal one is a place a literal place, a city in Israel. And then they would say, well, uh, there's this allegorical meaning underneath it uh, and above it, which is, well, it's the church. And then uh, the moral meaning is that the Jerusalem is uh, the soul and the uh, eschatological meaning was, well, that's something that's, uh, that's heaven itself. So let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 20, verse 18. Behold, Jesus says, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Now, you look at this text, and uh, the plain and simple meaning, the literal meaning, is that Jesus and his disciples are going to go up to Jerusalem. Up, because it's higher in altitude, right? Uh, so going up to Jerusalem, and there he's going to be handed over, delivered to the chief priest and the, the teachers of the law, and they're going to condemn him to death. Now, that's the literal plain sense of the meaning. Now, if you were trying to use that, uh, you know, the four other, or the four meanings, the allegorical and the moral and the eschatological, you would try and make something more of this text than what it, what it is simply saying. Um, and so uh, we are to look at the plain um, intended meaning of the text. It is a city in Jerusalem, uh, called Jerusalem in the in uh, in Israel. Doesn't mean anything more to that. It's not like we're lifting our our hearts to go up to heaven. Uh, Jesus is, you know, we're going up to the real church. Um, uh, we're lifting ourselves morally to to go into a, a place of purity. No, it just means. Jesus is saying, we're going to the city of Jerusalem. So, one intended, uh, one intended meaning. Now, in Revelation chapter 21, uh, how would you interpret this? Uh, the writer says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. So, what would be the meaning of this text? Uh, again, we're not looking for like these four overly spiritualized meanings to a text, but what is the one intended meaning? Well, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. So this isn't a, uh, a physical city in a country uh, called, uh, you know, called Israel. This, we're going to find out, is uh, one that is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It's talking about the church. Ephesians chapter 5 speaks of the church as the bride of Christ, and Jesus is the bridegroom. Now, this isn't over-spiritualizing the text. Uh, it's just looking at the text and saying, what does, it, what does it mean? It doesn't mean a physical place in a country 
In this case, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, means uh, the church coming down from heaven. All those gathered together with with Jesus. And so, you know, um, you might ask the question, so are we supposed to be literalists when we read the Bible? Um, well, the answer to that is it depends. So if the text is meant to, to be taken literally, I'm going up to Jerusalem. Well, where's Jesus going? To the city of Jerusalem in Israel. Um, so uh, again, are we, are we supposed to be literalist? Well, again, it depends. If the text calls us to take um, you know, the city of Jerusalem as a literal place, we do it that way. If it contains, however, an allegory, if the text contains us that there's a figure of, uh, if the text says that there is a figure of speech here, then we interpret it uh, according to that figure of speech in a um, allegory. And we'll talk more about this in upcoming videos. But you see uh, an example of this in Galatian, uh, Galatians chapter 4, where Paul says, these things contain an allegory. So right Right up front, the clue is given to us that we are to interpret these things figuratively. He says, these are two covenants. And he's talking about the slave woman and the free woman, uh, Hagar and Sarah, the children born to them. He says, one is from Mount Sinai bearing children to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai and answers to the Jerusalem that exists now, for she is in bondage with her children but the Jerusalem that is above is free, which is the mother of us all. So we don't go to Galatians 4 looking for like four levels of meaning. We're looking for that one intended meaning. And the text, I mean, the Holy Spirit teaches us. It says this is a allegory. So we interpret it in that way. So when the scriptures speak plainly, uh, we should take the words uh, taken uh, taken literally. When there's no clues that it is a figure of speech, we don't go looking for all these different meanings. But if the text um, um, gives us those little clues, oh, this is a allegory, this is a simile, this is a metaphor, this is a, a figure of speech, then, uh, then we interpret it uh, accordingly. So Martin Luther said, said these words, he says, it was very difficult for me to break away from my habitual zeal for allegory. Again, remember those different levels of meaning that you would go to a text with to over-spiritualize it. He says, it was difficult for, for me to break away from that. And, and he continue, continues, he says, and yet I was aware that allegories were empty speculations and the froth, as it were, of the Holy Scriptures. It is the historical sense alone which supplies the true and the sound doctrine. So again, uh, this is the word of the Lord, but written in human language, in human history. There is context. There is content. Uh, there are figures of speech. Uh, there are words that we're to investigate that have meaning. There's grammar. There is syntax. Uh, there's paragraphs. Um, but for us to find that one historical sense what did God intend to say, the one intended meaning of, uh, of the text? So when we read the scriptures, we again are asking those two questions. What does this scripture mean? And then how is it applied to me? How is God taking these human words, human language, putting them in sentences for us, uh, using paragraphs and writing them uh, 
in a book with an author in a historical context? How is God taking those words um, and applying them to us? So we do take heart that, um, and we remember that the triune God wants us to hear him. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants us to understand him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to believe and to trust in him. So Hebrews chapter 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. And this Son, the Lord the Lord Jesus Christ, he is for us. Uh, he works in and through us, and he has promised to be with us always even to the very end of the age.